Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I am Chris Graham. I get to host a show with the Hall of Famer Jerry Ratcliffe, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about Virginia's football game. First uh, home game of the season, uh, which is Saturday, tomorrow as we're recording this with JMU coming to town. But first, just some breaking news, so to speak, and we rarely have breaking news, and this is hard news as well as sports news uh, to report on the show, but I just thought I'd go over real quick. Um, and it's related to uh, the fact that tomorrow's game is going to be such an emotional day. Albemarle County Grand, uh, Grand Jury has returned 13 new indictments against Christopher Darnell Jones, the man accused in the murders of the three UVA football student athletes back on November 13th. Um, among the new indictments, um, uh, basically is aggravated murder, uh, separate counts of ag- aggravated murder in each of the deaths of um, uh, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry. Also, um, malicious wounding charges uh, for the shootings of Mike Hollins, another UVA football player, and also Marley Morgan, a UVA student, and then five felony indictments charging the unlawful use or display of a firearm and committing a felony. Uh, And so um, these charges had been slated uh, to go in front of the regular grand jury, which meets quarterly, um, not just in Albemarle County, but across the state. That was going to be scheduled for October 2nd. Uh, but the special grand jury and paneled back in May, uh, and uh, the special grand jury has returned these indictments against Jones. Um, and the uh, Albemarle County uh, Commonwealth Attorney's Office noting that it sought separate aggravated murder charges, uh, basically two for each murder, because they want to have flexibility in terms of trying their case. Uh, no court date has been set for the actual uh, trial. Uh, the next time that uh, Jones is scheduled to be in court would be October 2nd for another hearing. Uh, presumably to maybe move into the direction of of having a trial there. So that's all background to the emotion of this UVA-JMU game. Of course, it's an important game on the field. Uh, UVA coming off the loss last week uh, to Tennessee in the season opener. And um, uh, But we know that the first home game since November 13th uh, on grounds at Scott Stadium, uh, a lot is planned for um, – uh, honoring uh, Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, Deshaun Perry, and uh, maybe this just provides extra there, Jerry. So, uh, you know, what was already going to be an emotional day, maybe even more so now. Yeah, interesting timing, Chris, no question about it. You you know much more about the judicial system than I do because you cover uh, a lot of news on your website other than just sports. But uh, I, guess, I guess in today's uh, world it takes – 10 months for a year to process all this stuff. And even before you, you have a trial, like uh, I suppose, but it's, is interesting timing just uh, on the eve of the first home game since that terrible night back in November last year. Um, you know, Tony Elliott uh, talked a lot about uh, the emotion. I mean, I know obviously talked a lot about the game itself too, but, uh, you can't really separate the emotion from the game and, and, and the game from the emotion. Um, and, and also Carla Williams addressed the media on Tuesday as well at the weekly presser. Um, maybe recount and talk a little bit about what, what Carla and Tony had to say uh, about that aspect to tomorrow uh, when they talked with reporters this week. Yeah. Carla uh, came in. Uh, we really didn't expect her to be there. She rarely shows up at, any media events outside of a press conference that she calls for 
uh, for herself, but um, she was sort of a surprise visit. She came in, read a statement, and left, didn't take any questions. But uh, I, pro probably the most striking uh, thing she said was that that uh, the university had promised not to forget the three players, um, four players, if you include Hollins, or their families. And uh, she was a little uh, emotional when she read that part of the statement. And, and I thought that was very poignant that, uh, to me, that was the most uh, striking part of, of her statement that she read. And, and the university, I think, has done a admirable job in, in honoring uh, these kids and families ever since that terrible night a year ago. And uh, I don't think anybody will ever forget the three players or their families for, um, for this terrible, senseless act. Uh, and Tony was Tony was good about it too. I mean, he he talked about you know how the team has to compartmentalize uh, their emotions. It, it's that it's great to have the emotions, but you have to keep them in perspective, or it can sometimes backfire on you. We've seen that happen at various athletic events, not just here but around the nation, uh, when tragedy of some sort hits uh, an athletic program, sometimes you can be so emotional that you lose focus and, uh, and it, it makes you more vulnerable to losing than anything. And certainly uh, the lives of these kids was more important than a football game, but they do have a game to play and they, they'll, they'll have to keep their focus. I think they will. I'm sure they'll be really inspired and fired up coming out of the tunnel. Uh, they'll play for their fallen brothers. And that may take you, uh, carry you for a while in a game, inspire you to play harder and be um, more fierce or more intense. But uh, like they say, once you get hit in the mouth, a lot of that goes out the window and you got to, then is when you really have to bear down and focus on, on the present. And I think they will. I think Tony is keeping everything in, in the right perspective. And I think they will compartmentalize their emotions. And uh, uh, it's going to be a very emotional day. Um, and I, uh, I salute the JMU folks for uh, the things that they have said in advance of the game and, and how they uh, have great respect for the Virginia team and, and program and fans for uh, for what happened, and, and they want to pay their respects as well. So um, it, it should be a very emotional pregame, and, and after that, hopefully they can settle down and, and get down to business. You know, I wonder about that, though, Jerry. And here's here, I'll say Tony Elliott after the, the loss at um, in Nashville to Tennessee last week didn't say this in so many words. Um but I don't know. Maybe I'm, and maybe I'm reading into something, reading into it something. But I, I was kind of getting a sense. He talked at length uh, in answers to a couple of questions from the media about the emotion of that game being the first actual game after the November thirteenth, because you know obviously the last two games of last season were were canceled. 
Um, and he talked about how, well, we got one more to go uh, in terms of a first game. Uh, and that would be, you know, the game coming up tomorrow, the, the home first home game. And, you know, I almost sensed in those words, I mean, he talked about how there's still a lot of players in mourning. I mean, it's been a few months, but it's still very raw and maybe for a while for those guys, young, young folks don't often lose young folks uh, around them. Um, especially as tragically as these guys were, were taken from, from us. Uh, and so you almost got this, I almost got the sense that um, maybe what Tony was saying is he can't wait till he doesn't have to answer these questions anymore. And maybe can't wait till they can just go out and play a football game. And, and tomorrow, I mean, yeah, they got a game plan. They're going to go out and play football and, you know, there's a, everything else going on, but there is still, I mean, at nine 45, there's the Wahoo walk. It'll be very emotional. Uh, 11 30, Fans are being asked to be in their seats early for a 12 o'clock kickoff uh, because of the pregame ceremonies going on. And, uh, you know, the first 35,000 fans in attendance will be given an orange uh, UVA strong shirt. Uh, and so there's 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 going to be a lot there. And, you know, yeah, I think I mean, I think at some point they just want to go back out and play football. I'm kind of reminded and it's obviously a very different situation, but I remember the UVA basketball program after losing to UMBC, it seemed like everywhere they went there that next year, they were asked questions. Hey, you lost to UMBC. What happened? Um, and, you know, that was fuel for the fire. I think that's the reason that team ended up achieving what it achieved the next year. But, you know, it's at some point you kind of get tired of being asked about that and you just want to play your game. You, you know, your football. And in this case, these guys are football players and, and they just want to go out and play football. But I'm not sure tomorrow you know, that, that there's, they're out there completely hundred percent focused playing football. And, you know, I wonder if the first quarter might be difficult in that respect. Yeah. Once they, once they get into it a little bit, um, you know, they, they can, can, can just focus on football, but I wonder if there are even a drive or two um, at the start of that game, that there may be still some, gosh, we're here. It's the first time. And, you know, we got to play a football game kind of thing. Well, uh, you could very well be right about that, and and if and if that is lingering into the game, that's uh, not going to be helpful because this JMU football team, I think, is pretty good, and they're going to be focused, and they're going to be. Um, I mean, they're hungry. They want to show the world that, hey, we're a uh, for real football program. We're not uh, an earlier. Uh, podcast this week, uh, a JMU fan said, "We're we're not our fathers or grandfathers' uh, JMU football program. We're we're legit." And uh, well, th- let's be fair, Jerry. Grand their grandfathers yeah. didn't have a football program because JMU <laughs> oh, yeah. was a women's school in, in, until the seventies. So that's, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. I don't know that that JMU fan would know that necessarily, but <laughs> probably, probably not. <laughs> but. Uh, but they are for real. I mean, they they beat some solid football teams last year. They dominated Appalachian State, who most people don't want to play those guys, and they really beat the Dickens out of Coastal Carolina, who um, ended up playing for that conference championship, and I think uh, beat the crap out of Liberty for the the title and played in a bowl game. Um, and so, JMU would have been that team because they beat Coastal. I mean, if if, yeah. if not for the first being in the first year of their FBS and not eligible to play for the conference championship, they would have been in that game. Yeah, and 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 am I right in that they're not eligible for a bowl again this year? I think that's correct. Team first, team? the first two years of FBS, you're not eligible. Which is, yeah, which is totally wrong in my yeah. thoughts. I mean, that if you're good enough to 
play in a bowl game, you should be in it. I, I, I can't believe they're penalizing JMU just because they transitioned and tried yeah. to better themselves. I mean, they were eight and three last year with those wins you mentioned. I mean, they beat some teams, and and yeah, they did. They don't get so th- this this may be one of those games. I mean, you play a Virginia, you, you they'll play Coastal again, they'll play you know Appalachian State again. They don't get to play in a bowl, so these are their bowl games. Absolutely, and they they're out to prove that. Hey, we're as good as anybody in the state of Virginia or or whatever. And so if you're not focused going against that kind of a machine, you could find yourself in trouble and, and potentially in a hole that, that maybe you can't dig out of. Because once you lose momentum in a football game, it's hard to get it back. You know, yeah, it's, a, it's an emotional game for Virginia for the reasons that we've stated, the very obvious reasons we've stated the JMU folks have two sets of emotions. I mean, I, I saw comments from Kurt Signetti, the head coach there, and also Jeff Bourne, the athletics director there. Um, not only, I mean, of course, so they're, they're encouraging the JMU fans in attendance, and there's there's likely going to be a lot. I'm reading, yeah. at least online speculation, anywhere 15,000, 20,000 JMU fans in the stadium uh, tomorrow. Um, they're asking their fans, so obviously, you know, be respectful, wear their purple, but wear orange on top of the purple, uh, like an orange ribbon or something of that nature, um, be in their seats at 1130 for uh, the pregame ceremony. So there's that emotion for them too. But then there's the emotion of they've never, they've not played Virginia in 40 years. It was eight, 1983. Last time Virginia played JMU in a football game. You covered that game. You covered, I was, I was going <laughs> to, I would assume you covered that game. Yeah. And so they've wanted, they've wanted to play Virginia for a long, long time since then. Uh, and uh, Virginia, you know, just didn't agree. And now, so here we here, so they, yeah, they've got a chip on their shoulder. I mean, you know, they beat Virginia Tech, what was it, 2011, I think it was, when they were, when JMU was still an FCS program. Um, that was unexpected to say the least. That was a really good Virginia Tech team that went on to play in a, in a uh, BCS bowl at the time. That was, that was a really good Virginia Tech team. And no one expected JMU to win that game. JMU is a six point favorite going into this one tomorrow. Um, this is interesting pressure. They're the underdog. They think they're the little brother getting ready to knock on the big, big brother's door and beat him up, but they're favored to win this game. What it's it's really odd to go into a game like this. Uh Sunbelt team at ACC team, and the Sunbelt team is a basically a touchdown favorite. Yeah, no question. And um and I think they opened up as even a larger uh, yeah, yeah. seven and a half to open, I think. So, yeah, that's come down a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, these guys successfully opened up last week against Bucknell and, and beat the heck out of them. It was 38 to three, but the, I think they had two drives that where they ran out of downs inside the 10 yard line. I, I didn't see the game, but, uh, they dominated as expected. And, I'm not uh, as familiar with their team from a year ago, so I don't know how m- much they have returning, but they, they have a lot of really good players on both sides of the ball. And I think uh, I think Signetti or, or someone, maybe it was Elliot, somebody, I, I think it was Signetti that said that his team knows how to win. And – that's important because I know Tony Elliott said this week that his team hasn't learned how to win yet, which goes back a ways, Chris, because Virginia hasn't had a winning season since they went to the Orange Bowl. I think we talked about that a little bit last week. 
uh, I think COVID really threw this program out of whack and then ended up, you know, they were 11 and 11 over Broncos last two years here. And um, even though they had good numbers two seasons ago, they still couldn't win. Um, even though they were putting up crazy Xbox like numbers and, and, it's almost like they had to score 40 points a game to, to even be able to compete. But uh, because they scored 49 of, against BYU and lost by 17. Yeah. <laughs> gave up 700 yards offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that defense was so putrid. It was ridiculous. And the, so the score of that game was, was uh, big, bigger overall than a lot of basketball, UVA basketball games are. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> And uh, it's crazy. So yeah, that this team hasn't won since 2019, and and they're learning how. But to learn how, you got to get over the hump at some point. That to me, this is a must-win game for Virginia if if they want to do anything at all this year, because there's not many games after this where they're going to be favored. If if any, maybe William and Mary. Um, maybe Boston College. We're not sure about that even, but uh, and they're not favored to win Saturday, as you as you well pointed out. But at some point, if they want to even approach that three and a half over under the Vegas put on their win total for the season, they they have to win this football game. You know, going into la- let's talk about last week's game a little bit. The loss to Tennessee, forty nine thirteen. Going into last week's game, I had um, shared my thoughts that the game plan offensively would be uh, to try to establish the run early. If nothing else, uh, you know, you you can run some clock, shorten the game. Uh, Virginia came out only ran the ball. I think it was four runs in the first quarter. Uh, if you take out sacks, because sacks go in the scorebook as runs, but sacks aren't runs. Um, I think they ran the ball 12 times in the first half, finally established a run in the third quarter after the game got out of hand. And Tony Elliott said after the game, well, yeah, looking back, maybe we should have um, tried to establish a run sooner. Um, And uh, that may have been a a little different. I don't know that Virginia wins the game at all, but I think it could have made it more interesting because Tennessee was struggling there for a while to get points on the board uh, in in that first half, had several drives fizzle out before the Virginia defense just kind of wore out. Um, so I say that to say it sounds like he learned his lesson. Uh, like maybe we need to establish the run. Um, I'll throw out there my thought, which is Virginia needs to run for more than 200 yards in this game uh, to be able to have a shot at winning. They need to shorten the game against this JMU team. It's a quick strike offense, JMU. Um, they, 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 they can score over 35 a game. They scored over 35 numerous games last year. They scored over 35 last week. Um and, and JMU will will spread the field. They're they're kind of like those Robert and I offenses at Virginia. Virginia fans will see a lot of familiarity to what they were had seen for years with with an eye. Um, you'll see a, a lot of read option. You'll see uh, you know four and five receiver sets, and then runs out of those sets. Um, so Virginia fans kind of know what they're expecting as far as that goes. Um, but uh, if the Virginia defense can get a couple of stops early in the game, if the Virginia offense can can pile up some running yards. I think that's the that's the formula for Virginia. Um, what did Coach Elliott have to say about you know last week in that respect, and then you know game planning ahead to this week? Yeah, well, he was uh, he was very impressed with JMU's offensive line. They're experienced. Um, they have a lot of juniors and seniors uh, on on that offensive side of the football. 
they have playmakers. Uh, they have uh, experienced backs. And like you said, they, they use a lot of zone read and RPOs. And that's something that uh, Virginia seems to have struggled with a little bit in the past. And um, I, I, I guess the one thing that maybe weighs a little bit in Virginia's favor, and, and I don't even know if that's factual or not, but the, 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 the point is that they have a new quarterback and uh, Jordan McLeod, who is an experienced kid. I mean, he played at South Florida. He played at Arizona. He's been in big game atmospheres before he he's played on the road at Oregon and at Notre Dame. So the atmospheres don't get much more magnetic than that or electric than that. But, uh, uh, he's still, you know, he's still kind of new to their system. Uh, and he came, he came in, he didn't start last week, uh, but he came in in the midway through the third quarter and finished fantastically. Had, I think he was seven for 11 for 144 yards and two touchdowns in that brief span. Um, Apparently he's a gamer. Uh, he he didn't do that well in training camp. He got beat out for the job. Uh, just just not a practice player. Some guys aren't good practice players, but when the lights come on, they're they they change. And apparently he's one of those guys. He's the younger brother of Ray Ray McLeod that played at Clemson that we all remember uh, not long ago. And um, so that that you know, depending on how he reacts to uh, the atmosphere Saturday and Virginia's defense, I, uh, I'm sure John Rudzinski has drawn up some stuff to try to uh, exploit him a little bit. Maybe try to get him uh, shook up or rattled early on, but uh, I, th I think. Tony Elliott knows that the JMU is athletic and explosive on the offensive end of the field, and it's they're a force to be reckoned with. As you, as you pointed out, I think they have the fourth longest active streak in the country of scoring 35 points plus per game. So Virginia's defense will be tested early, I think. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993 back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Yeah, I don't think Virginia can win a track meet with these guys, uh, not with uh, the, the uncertainty, especially for Virginia. 
um, at quarterback. Uh, we It's Friday as we're recording this. The last time we had access to the coaches was midweek. Um, and so we don't really know any more about the status of, of Tony Musket. Uh, as of Tuesday, his status was day-to-day. Uh, he hurt his shoulder last week in the fourth quarter, uh, took a hard hit on a sack, landed on his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, but he left the game with uh, with an injury. We were concerned in the press box. Boy, the way he was holding his shoulder, it looked like it could have been a collarbone. Um, I know that Coach Elliott said after the game that um, Musket would be getting undergoing x-rays when he got back to Charlottesville. Um, so we've not been given word except that he's day-to-day. So it couldn't have been as serious as to necessitate any kind of surgery if if he's day-to-day. But he will be a game-time decision, we're told. Um, and uh, what that means is likely – uh, and unless we've been led astray on that, um, there's either either two game plans for the offense being put in because Anthony Calantri, the true freshman, uh, couldn't have been the starting quarterback. And I would imagine there'd be a little bit of a different game plan for him uh, than there would be for Musket. Calandria maybe gives you a little bit more ability to move the chains with the feet, uh, but he's also a true freshman. He may not be as as much to rely on um, with with his arm quite yet. Um, and also maybe I, I throw out there that he can move the chains with his feet. He did have two design runs in the fourth quarter and gained 17 yards on those design runs, but there's so, so little depth behind him at quarterback. If he's the starter, um, I, I guess it's Grady Brosterhouse, the, the walk-on who's the backup, uh, Jared, Jared, uh, Raymond would be another backup who's a fifth year walk-on. So boy, uh, you know, you don't want to, I don't think you want to risk your, your true freshman starter if he ends up being the starter too much. Uh, that's why Virginia needs to run the ball as much as anything else. They they need to you know, keep those quarterbacks healthy. Yeah. Uh, Tony's told us that Muskets uh, was, was getting a little bit more range of motion in his shoulder as of Tuesday. Uh, again, we don't know the extent of the injury or exactly what the injury was. So he could be, uh, he, he may know more than he's willing to say and, and could be some gamesmanship there, making JMU prepare for both quarterbacks. Uh, but, uh, again, he, he may not get the green light either. We, we may see Flandria trot out on the field for Virginia's first series. And we, we really don't know that much about him. We saw him a little bit last week, as you said. Uh, certainly he made carved out his reputation as a passer down in in uh, St. Pete when he threw for more than 7,000 yards during his high school career. And that's what attracted Virginia to him is his uh, ability to throw the ball. And he, he, and he has a decent arm. He's not a very big guy. He's 5'11". And I imagine that JMU will try to, if he does end up starting or playing a significant amount of time, I imagine JMU will will try to test him like Tennessee tried to test Musket last week and see if they can rattle him and force him into errors and try to force him out of the pocket to see if he can throw uh, on the run pretty much. And well, we just don't know. Uh, we haven't seen enough of Calandria to know what he's all about that we got a glimpse like you said last week but not enough to make a lot of about you know analysis on him but uh it'll be interesting to see who starts the game and if musket does 
answer the bell if will he be able to stay in the whole game uh, the the both teams play 425 defensive alignments uh, that's four down linemen two backers and then five um secondary guys as their base defense and that's uh you know back in the day <laughs> back in the good old days uh, you, you either ran a 34 or 43 that's not too many years ago that you did that uh, and then you'd have four defensive backs so um what 425s are designed to do is is to you know try to basically take away the passing game uh, you have more speed on the field I think the advantage Virginia may have over JMU in this one is that the Virginia offensive line, even though it's it's inexperienced and still you know trying to work itself into playing shape, so to speak, um, a lot bigger than the JMU front, uh, average of 35 pounds per uh, advantage for the UVA def- offensive line to the JMU defensive line. And, and JMU's two linebackers are tiny guys. I mean, they're fast guys, but they're 218 and 214. Uh, and so if you're going to play against six-man boxes and you have that kind of a size advantage if you're Virginia, that that could and should give you the ability to do some power running. And that's what Tony Elliott wants to do anyway. Uh, the, the running game, at, I mean, I think the running backs uh, eventually last week got things going and the, uh, and, the, and the blockers ahead of them got some things going, um, you know, a, a lot, a lot of early and often, I think UVA fans are actually going to want to see guys like, Paris Jones, Mike Collins, Kobe Pace gaining some yards on the ground. Well, I expect Virginia to try to run the ball, like you said early, and establish some kind of a attack, ground attack. And I would expect, and I'm, I'm imagining Signetti would expect the same thing, is that Virginia will probably try to run to the left side of the line where uh, Mikhail Boley resides over there at left tackle. When they had that really good drive, scoring drive against Tennessee, Chris, um, I think it was an eight-play drive. They ran it seven times, and it was all Paris Jones and Cam uh, – I mean, uh, Kobe Pace, the transfer from Clemson. And I believe all seven of those running plays were to the left. And uh, they were able to march down the field behind that left side of the line. So I imagine we'll see some of that and see if, if they can have some success there. Uh, that was a really nice touchdown run by Paris Jones, 17 yards. He ran right through that Tennessee defense on that scoring run. Uh, Tony pointed out that he, even though JMU isn't uh, doesn't have the sides of Tennessee, that they're sneaky stout uh, on the defensive line, and uh, his favorite word, twitchy. <laughs> um and that the, the defensive end Carpenter is, is a guy who uh, is hard to move. Uh, their corners can come up and play uh, press coverage, bump and run. And um, so they might not be the biggest guys in the world, but they're very athletic and sound. And so it'll be a, it'll be interesting to see if Virginia's size can be an advantage in this game. And uh, I think we'll probably find out early if they can establish a run. And if they do, that they can help Musket or Calandria with passing game, obviously. Uh, one thing I was kind of disappointed in last week against that ferocious pass rush by Tennessee, Chris, was that they didn't really do much to slow those guys down. They're, they're, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember a screen pass. Uh, there may have been, and I, it slipped my mind, but that's generally in football a good way to, to slow down in a very aggressive defense is to throw 
some screen passes and try to burn them a little bit and make them back off. Give your quarterback time, give your receivers time to run their routes. But I uh, didn't see much in that regard last season. And I don't remember seeing it in the opening game. Yeah, no traditional screen passes that I remember either. You know, the traditional screen pass being something that you throw to a back out of the backfield and try to get some guy, some of your offensive line downfield. They ran a couple of wide receiver screens, but that's not the same thing. Uh, that you're trying to catch the secondary off guard there, not the line, the lineman off guard. Um, I remember one play where there was an aborted attempt at a play action pass, like in the first half, maybe the either late first quarter, early second quarter, and Tennessee wasn't biting because they had Virginia had not established the run yet. And if you don't if you don't respect the run, you're not going to you know the the end is not going to uh, crack down on the running back. He just stayed out there with Musket. Musket had to throw it and run away for his life. Um, which he was doing too much of uh, when the game was still in doubt. So yeah, you're right. I mean, that, there were there was nothing there to make make the defensive line pay, um, and so you know those are those are things that I'm sure are being addressed. Uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, like you said, it was a, a problem last year too in terms of the play calling. Really, nothing to try to take the sting out of those those rushers. Um, Virginia, uh, I, I was when I analyzed the game last week, Jerry. You know, even though. The quarterback, Joe Milton for Tennessee, had good numbers, 21 for 30, I think 201, two touchdowns. Um, I thought that except for Tavon Kyle, uh, who had a pretty miserable game, uh, he got picked on, he gave up five catches on six targets. Um, I thought the other guys did a pretty good job secondary-wise, uh, even though even though Milton uh, was able to complete some passes. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the it seemed like the rest of the secondary kind of kept things in check uh, kept gains from from getting out of hand. Uh, Tennessee ran quite a few wide receiver screen type plays too. They ran that the one play that you see where there's a, a guy, the flanker on the end, uh, a guy lined up behind him, and basically just a screen where the the guy out in front would be blocking the throw would be behind a line of scrimmage. They ran that and, and you know gained four or five yards on it. They ran that play several times. Um, those are high percentage passes, almost just long handoffs. Um, that's where Tennessee got a lot of what it did out of out of its passing game. Um, there was one, uh, the long pass, the only really long pass that I recall was, was that, uh, 30 yard pass in the third quarter, I believe it was, maybe it was the second quarter, uh, where, uh, it was an underthrown, badly underthrown ball. The two UVA defenders were in place, uh, and the, the uh, receiver made a great adjustment on it and made the catch. Um, you know, sometimes that happens, but that was the only really big play the secondary gave up. Uh, that's, um, that's pretty encouraging, I think for that UVA defense. I, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's one of the things I like about Rudzinski's defenses is they don't give up a lot of big plays. They they try to keep the ball in front of them, and they seem to always be in position. Um, it's pretty solid. And, yeah, I was looking back – a good note, I thought, was that in Tennessee's first five drives of that game, um, they didn't score, uh, I think. Uh, or maybe they had one. Yeah, they had the one touchdown. The opening on, drive, but opening then after drive. that, it was a long time before they scored again, yeah. Yeah, and if, if you go back over Tennessee's previous 20 games, uh, nobody else held that explosive offense uh, contained it like that over the first five drives of the game. And that includes two games against Georgia and two games against Alabama during that time span. So um, 
some hair chested defense by uh, uh, Coach Rudd's team, and you're right. I mean, they they just they don't make a lot of mistakes. They they really don't beat themselves. They make you beat them. And the more this defense settles in, and and getting Chico Bennett back perhaps this week, and and Ahern, and uh, maybe a couple other guys, or had some nicks. Um, that bodes well, I think, for Virginia's defense. Uh, it's a shame that they lost the big guy who uh, ruptured his uh, uh, ligaments or, or whatever. Both of his both of his patella yeah. tendons. Yeah, with in that uh, freakish accident, uh, celebrating on the sideline. He was having a pretty good game, and it, they could they could have definitely used him throughout the season, but. Uh, other than that, I, I think this defense, I, I think, will continue to get better as the season wears on. Yeah, Tennessee ended up with 499 yards of offense, but it took them 86 plays to get there. Last year, Tennessee gained 525 yards a game on offense, but they only averaged 71 plays a game. I mean, they were a team that scored a lot on quick strike drives. They didn't have any quick strike drives, so that was uh, – yeah, that bodes well, I think, that when you translate what the defense – and I think the reason you saw 499 yards and 49 points was because simply 86 plays. <laughs> when you're out there yeah. on a hot day, you know, your offense isn't sustaining drives, you have to get back out on the field quickly. That It, it adds up over time. So, And uh, Tennessee has uh, incredible depth and Virginia doesn't. And right. so I, I think Virginia's defense kind of got worn out yeah. as the game wore on and – I don't, I'm not sure that'll be the case this week because obviously JMU doesn't have the kind of depth that Tennessee had. Right. Yeah. The, the depth of talent. Yeah. Because I mean, they're that's SEC depth of talent. That's a team. Tennessee's now number nine in the country. They their fans expect to be in the of the conversation for the college football playoff, which this year for the last time is a 14 playoff. Next year we go to 12 teams. Um, that fan base uh, fully expects because just like they were last year, they were in the race for the college football playoff berth. Uh, had a loss or two at the end that knocked them down, but they finished 11 and two, beat Clemson in the bowl game in the Orange Bowl. And this fan base and a lot of folks around that program think this is a playoff team again this year. That's a different level of depth than we're going to see really at all the rest of the season. Um, so, um, you know, uh, final thoughts, final assessment here, Jerry, on what fans can expect tomorrow. Well, I. I think it's going to be a good football game. I really do. I, I I think I could be wrong. I could be totally off base because we haven't seen enough of either team to to be that analytical at this point. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is settled in the fourth quarter, uh, probably of somebody making a mistake. And I mean, I could be wrong. Jamie might come in here and, and blow the doors off the place. I don't know, or or maybe Virginia will get be so inspired and fired up that that they'll pull off what it would be a mild upset. But I'm just expecting a really good football game and in entertaining football game. And I think if fifty thousand plus do show up as as we have been told, uh, I think they're going to get their money's worth. I will go out on a limb, uh, and I don't often do this, but I, I I think this year, week two, Virginia team is better than this year's week two JMU team. I'm not sure in a few weeks that'll be the case, but I think um, both teams have uncertainty at quarterback, but I think, you know, last year's JMU team is probably a six-point 
better team or more in Charlottesville than than this than this year's Virginia team. Totson Teo at quarterback, that team was rolling. I'm not sure that JMU's quite there yet. If we were playing them in October, I might have a different opinion of this, but I think Virginia's size, uh, they'll they'll be able to run the ball, and I think the defense will be able to do enough to slow down the JMU offense, not, ne- not necessarily stop. Uh, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be a, a dogfight, um, and uh, it, it should be a very entertaining football game. And I got to ask, you were there for the for the last time these two teams played, 1983. Is that was that year two of the George regime? Yeah, I was I was here for the the last two times they played okay. JMU in '82 and '83. '82, JMU came in here and handled Virginia easily, uh, mostly due to a guy that I know you'll remember, uh, even though I don't know how old you were in 1982. <laughs> But uh, you'll remember the name, Gary Clark. Gary Clark, yeah. He yeah. went on and became uh, an incredible receiver for the Jacksonville Bulls of the old World Football League and then uh, with the Washington Redskins. For he was another, one of the Smurfs. One of the Smurfs, and what a <laughs> great player he was. And uh, he's almost single-handedly won that 82 game with his uh, offensive ability and his uh kick return ability and he was fantastic in that game led jmu to the win over a a not very good virginia football team uh virginia got a little bit better in 83 and handled uh, the dukes here the following year uh without gary clark and um, but uh yeah that's when virginia started to turn the corner in year two of georgia's uh, tenure, and of course went on the next year to to uh, their first bowl game ever. But um, again, this is different. Even though JMU had some pretty darn good talent back in those days with guys like Gary Clark and Charles Haley, who went on to win five Super Bowl rings. Um, I don't know if they have any guys like that on this year's JMU team, but I think the overall JMU talent is much better than it was uh, 40 years ago. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo wah. Well, let's get before we before we end. Let's uh, you got some basketball news and notes, especially really important recruiting news and notes. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, of course, Tony Bennett's got it going, as we all know. And get my notes out here. Uh, this weekend, they're getting the first visit of the basketballs uh, of the all the basketball recruits for 24 and 25 uh, classes. Jacob Kofi, a 6'9", 225-pound power forward from uh, Washington State, lives in the Seattle area. Probably the most coveted power forward on the West Coast 
lot of the Pac-12 schools would love to have this guy, although I think he's only considering Southern Cal. I think Virginia and Ohio State and somebody else is in his final four. And I, it's significant, I think, that he's traveling cross-country to visit Virginia this weekend. I'm sure he'll be at the football game tomorrow. Uh, this guy's pretty darn good, Chris. He's a an elite described as an elite face-up power forward, and uh, you can never have too many of those in your program, as we've seen uh, in the past. So uh, that's the first guy for the month of September who's visiting next weekend. Uh, Virginia's biggest recruiting target in a while, probably even bigger than Christian Bliss or, or any of the guys that uh, our freshman this year is coming to town, and that's um, Con Knupel from Milwaukee, who's down to five teams, Wisconsin, Marquette, his hometown team, uh, Alabama, Virginia, and Duke. A lot of people see this as a two-horse race between Virginia and Duke. Um, personally, I think if they get Con Knupel, I think he's a ticket back to the Final Four. I think he's that good. I think he's a, a J.J. Redick-type scorer, but I think he's a better overall player than J.J. Redick was. Uh, he's got more overall game, in my opinion, than, than Redick had. So uh, huge, huge recruit. And uh, I, I read a note in the Wisconsin uh Badger Notes uh, newsletter that uh, Recruiting Insider uh, told this guy that Tony Bennett is pulling out everything under the sun he can to land Con Canupal. Now, how many times have we heard that? Not, <laughs> not very often. That's yeah, right. Not very often. So that shows you what Tony Bennett thinks of this guy. And um, I'm sure they're going to be rolling out the red carpet and giving him royal treatment when he gets to town next weekend because as soon as he leaves here, he's going to Duke for his final visit. Um, some people believe that Duke is, may get uh, another guy uh, who plays the same position as a shooting guard, uh, swingman type guy. But uh, and if he does, that's going to close the book. Uh, at that position for Duke. That could happen before Knippel makes up his mind. And so a lot of people are hoping Duke go, go, goes ahead and gets a commitment from the other guy uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it's in my notebook. But he, um, if, if they get Knippel, wow. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Virginia basketball uh, starting next Well. It's going to be fun this year, but starting next year when he gets to town, uh, I think he's the missing piece of, of, of taking this program back to the elite level again. And then um, in a, it'll be more than a month, but David Punch, another power forward, 6'9 kid out of uh, Texas, will be making his official visit to Virginia. Uh, so some pretty significant visits over the next month or so for Virginia basketball. 
Yeah, people don't think about it. There, you know, we we don't. A lot of folks don't think about basketball until the actual season starts. But there's these next few weeks are very important for the future of Virginia basketball. Obviously, um, oh. what else? Anything else, Jerry? That uh, I haven't asked you about that we think we need to tell our listeners about. Well, I you know got my ACC hat on today. Uh, <laughs> wearing it while I can, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I, I thought. Uh, was doing a lot of research online and came across two incredible in-depth stories. So if you, if you want to read these stories, carve out a significant amount of time because they're they're lengthy, long read stories. One's by Ross Dellinger of uh, he's the senior college football reporter for Yahoo Sports, and the other is by David Wilson from ESPN, and they have spent bukus of time researching this SMU entry into the ACC. And I was I was blown away, fascinated with uh, the whole nine yards of it. There's a, a dude out there, he's an oil billionaire, Chris, named David Wilson. He's a six-foot-eight, uh, booming Texas drawl voice guy who's the uh, chairman of the Board of Trustees for SMU, who I'm told uh, in that one – uh, uh, corner of Highland Park in Dallas has more billionaires per square uh, mile than any community in the country. Uh, I'm saying billionaires, not millionaires. And it's just fascinating that this Wilson guy made over 20 private plane trips all over the country trying to persuade conference officials and ADs and presidents and he was here in Charlottesville, by the way, uh, to get SMU into a Power Five conference. Uh, these guys have so much money that they were willing to say, we won't take a dime of your ACC ESPN revenue money for nine years. Nine years, Chris. But they're willing to fork over $200 million plus into the SMU athletic department to make up for it. And one of, the, one of my favorite quotes in the whole story was Wilson. Well, two quotes by Wilson. Um, one of them, I'm, I'll probably paraphrase this, but he said, uh, uh, $200 million. I'm not going to lose any sleep over that a few million dollars. Uh, and the, and the other one is that, uh, and he, this was his parting shot. The beast is about to emerge. Just wait. <laughs> so, uh, the SMU people are dead serious about rebuilding their football program, which back in the day, and you might be too young to remember this either, back in when the SMU was in the Southwest Conference, and they won 11 Southwest Conference football titles. Um, and that's back when they were going up against Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma Arkansas and, and, and the likes. And, uh, of course, uh, they were cheating their butts off for a while there, which <laughs> essentially broke up the entire Southwest Conference with the Pony Express, Eric Dickerson, and, and those guys. So they got their money's worth, but they also got the only death penalty in NCAA violation history, which decimated their football program, which is just now really getting its act together but 
they have a, a small football stadium, and I think seats 32,000, which they didn't have back in those days. I think they played their games in the old Cotton Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. But this stadium uh, can be expanded to 45,000 at least, maybe to 60. And uh, so they're dead serious and dead set on returning Mustangs football to prominence, Chris, which really, if you stop and think about it, it's not going to be that hard to do in the ACC because other than Clemson and Florida State, maybe North Carolina, I mean, what's standing in their way? Especially if you have that kind of money. Yeah, what's a couple hundred million dollars? <laughs> I'll just write you a check. I'm not going to lose any sleepover. Yeah, that's no big deal. I'll lose sleepover a lot less than that. <laughs> Couple hundred dollars, uh, much less to put the million on there. No, that's uh, I mean, and it's going to be obviously big. It's going to uh, you know raise the profile of the ACC. John Swafford years ago wanted to make the ACC a football conference, maybe between uh, you know some Texas oil money, you know. And it's just it's so it, it's so funny, Jerry. You're talking about Texas having a billionaire who's six eight. They do everything bigger in Texas. <laughs> they do. <laughs> They, they don't even have short billionaires. They, their billionaires are big guys. So, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, is it time to, uh, as we like to do uh, on the show, to thank our sponsors for making this possible? I think it is, and I'll start out with with my little doggy here, Roback, uh, Charlottesville-based sportswear company, Activewear. Uh, go to our website, check out their ads. They have an incredible line of sportswear, activewear for men and women. Uh, click on the right buttons and get 20% off your first order. Helps us, helps them. Uh, they're UVA people, Darden School grads who uh, came up with the idea for this company and their uh, factory, uh, at least their headquarters are out on 29 North and uh, one of the fastest growing companies in America. You look just about anywhere online and you're going to see their advertisements uh, everywhere in the country and just about everywhere I go anymore. I, I see somebody wearing Roback. So uh, check them out. I think you'll like their stuff. I do. I love it. They're comfortable. It's uh, the breathable, uh, great looks. And they, they've just come out with some specially designed UVA gear too. So uh, give them a, a look. Also the good feet store over in Stonefield, another UVA, uh, linked company uh jonathan cotton a huge uva supporter uh nil and promotions wise uh grew up in crozet uh their commercials are all all over the place and their stores are all over the place they're expanding like wildfire through the mid-atlantic and even have a, a, a store in cleveland um if you're having any uncomfortable un uncomfortable uncomfortness uh, walking, standing, running, uh, check out their specially designed arches. And you won't have those problems anymore, I know, because I'm a customer. Um, and even if you don't, they, they still make it all even more comfortable for you. So go by and see them. And the Aberdeen Barn, you're going to be in town this weekend for the game, maybe tonight. Stop by the barn, get a great prime rib or steak or ribs or whatever. Uh, if not, go by tomorrow night after the game, get a great dinner, 
Angela and Terry would love to see a great atmosphere. They'll have other games on their uh, TV sets there in the uh, in the bar area. Um, who knows you know, who you might run into while you're there because it's home of the wives. So uh, thanks to all those sponsors. We couldn't bring this show to you or uh, all this free content without them. And we appreciate them. And please acknowledge that uh, you support, you uh, appreciate their support of what we do. Thank you. For our listeners on the podcast or viewers on YouTube, if you want to get ready for UVA JMU, go to jerryratcliffe.com, augustafreepress.com. There's so much to get you ready uh, as far as game previews, et cetera. Um, and of course, all that basketball recruiting news. So I guess, oh yeah, Jerry. And, and one other thing I want to mention: I did a podcast yesterday, oh. and it's up online. And I think, I think if you're a Virginia fan, you will truly appreciate this guy, Don Flo, who played running back for Virginia in the Sonny Randall, Dick Bestwick era, and he talks about. You know, not everybody's going to go to the NFL and play, and even if they do, it's not going to last forever. He talks about and stresses the importance of a Virginia degree and what that means in life after football. He has built one of the biggest car um, businesses in the United States. He owns 50 dealerships in Virginia and North Carolina and has an incredibly strong presence here in Charlottesville. He touches on a myriad of topics, including uh, living on the lawn. Uh, Queen Elizabeth came to his room on the lawn in the 70s, and he's got some great stories about that. Uh, I mean, that's worth the visit, if nothing else. Uh, talks about how to build a business, the right way to do it, what's made him so successful. He recently talked to the, this Virginia football team and made some really incredible points of emphasis to these guys that I know resonated. So uh, if you're a Virginia fan, you got to listen to this. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, it's not all about football. It's about life. But uh, So you don't even have to be a sports fan to enjoy this podcast. But if you got uh, 30 minutes or so, take a listen. I think, you'll, I think it'll be worth your time investing. I say this to, I say this often about UVA football players, basketball players, others we interview. Um, when I especially when I'm talking to my fellow alums, I'll say this this particular person is another person you'll be proud to know as a UVA person. This one was a fun, very entertaining. Uh, yeah, and it was it was as much about life as it was about football, even not more so. So, um, another guy that you'll be proud to say is a UVA UVA alum and then a UVA football alum as well, uh, no doubt. Um, well, for Jerry Ratcliffe, the Hall of Famer, I am Chris Graham. Uh, you can keep up with us tomorrow during the game. Jerry's going to be on Twitter. I'll be on a live blog on AugustaFreePress.com. We'll have all the, the latest and then, of course, the post game tomorrow night. Uh, until then, we will talk to you again soon.